This is the Sound Factory podcast from Sound Factory Productions. Doing it wrong, but doing it anyway. Hello and welcome to the Sound Factory podcast, a podcast about sound, music, creativity and collaboration. We're your hosts, Steve Kilpatrick, a.k.a. Sound Factory, and Dr. Oniko Toth. A.k.a. Coco Vocals. We're doing it wrong. But doing but we're it, doing it anyway. anyway. <laughs> With us today is our extra, extra special guest is Nadine Benjamin. Yay! Hello, Nadine! <laughs> Woo! Nice Woo! to be here with you both. Lovely thank, to see you thank again. Thank you for coming. British lyric soprano Nadine Benjamin is a charismatic and versatile artist who is in increasing demand on both the operatic stage and the concert platform. She is also developing great renown as an exponent of song, in particular Verdi, Strauss, and contemporary American song. From 2018 to 2020, Nadine was an English National Opera Harwood artist and made her debut with the company as Clara from Porgy and Bess, followed by Musetta from La Boheme and Laura from Louisa Miller. Nadine made her Royal Opera House debut in October 2020 as a soprano soloist in New Dark Age with works by Anna Meredith, Missy Mazzoli and Anna Torvaldsdottir and directed by Katie Mitchell. Nadine is also a mentor, certified high-performance coach, and NLP mind coach, and founded her opera and mentorship program, Everybody Can, in 2015, to provide a platform to encourage and support others in recognizing and achieving their own visions. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Well, I mean, we both already knew the huge and diverse range of things that you do, Nadine, but... How would you sum up to somebody who's meeting you for the first time? What is it you do? I am a creative empowerment thought leader. Wow. (laughs) Can you elaborate on that? So I use my art um, through um, my singing, through my writing, through my composing, through my mentoring, through my coaching um, to create an um, an empowerment impact on the world that I live in and the world around me. I, you know, wish for everybody to go to this space from self-sabotage to self-mastery and to really believe in themselves. Fantastic. What a great message. I think we all need a bit of that. (laughs) (laughs) We all kind of know each other already, in in a way quite intimately. We've worked together. Uh, you and Oniko have sung together and, and you and I have worked together as, as composer and performer. But I'm really interested to hear about your compositions as well. I mean, I, I got asked by the BBC in lockdown. I got commissioned to do some work with them. And, you know, I kind of ended up writing kind of like folk classical. <laughs> mm. I think that's the only way I can describe it, really, um, with con- the conductor Michael Karcher Young. Um, And it started off after the Black Lives Matter, you know, he sent me these chords and he said, I think I can hear you've got something um, to to write over these. And within five minutes I had written something and we put it out all over Facebook and it got like, I think it was like 10,000 hits or something. And then we were just like, okay, maybe we should do some more. And so this time I came up with a melody 
um, the thing that we did for the BBC, I came up with a melody and then he, he kind of did the accompaniment. And we just kind of kept synergizing. So I'm really into collaborating. I really love that true essence of collaboration where two artists are finding how they meet along the road and looking at how their influences uniquely kind of speak to each other. Coming in there, are there any influences in terms of your actual compositions? I don't really think like that. It's really interesting. I'm very much into intuition. And I find that for myself, I'm listening to downloads. (laughs) You know, it's like I just feel a time in a moment where something really impacts me in the world or and I feel like I really need to speak about it or I need to play about it or I need to connect with someone about it. And that's how I'm influenced. I'm influenced by the stories of the world. I'm influenced of the stories of my mind. I'm influenced by the solutions that I wish to make. And that's how I start writing. That's that's how the music starts coming to my ear. But if you're to ask me, you know, what I love, I, I, I love drum and bass. I love pop music. I love rock music. I love opera. I love garage. You know, I love soul. I love R&B. Like, I love gospel. You know, I love church music I love oratorios you know I, I don't think there's any um music is, is is a language for me that allows me to speak really wholly so I don't feel like any music is not for me I feel like it's, it's all at my advantage I can see that because out of probably all the people I've met you're one of the people who music sort of flows through the most uh, seamlessly I guess I would say you and and you have that wealth of experience and that wealth of different musical experiences like like you said i mean you've sung not only opera but you've sung jazz and you've sung you've sung on some drum and bass tracks and like so many things it's hard to keep track of what you do <laughs> it's like you're always reinventing <laughs> you. who you who you are isn't it <laughs> you know what you know who my my biggest influence for that is is madonna Mm. I found that she was just somebody who's always been able to reinvent herself. And she she reminds me of limitlessness and both in my mentorship, in my coaching as well. Like, I just understand that I'm limitless. I don't see myself as limited, you know. The human base is limitless. Well, you have that tremendous bravery where you kind of, you do, you reinvent yourself quite regularly mm. as well, don't you? Yeah. Love it. Totally love it. <laughs> Well, recently I heard and saw you sparkling like crazy in a socially distanced version of Hansel and Gretel. You played two different characters. First of all, you played the mother, who was this sort of downtrodden, very uh, poor, negative character. And then you played the witch, but you played her in a very delightful and teasing and colorful way. And you got to wear some really bright costumes, which which was a lot of fun. Tell us a little bit about that. It was fascinating for me as well because, you know, I watched that young mother and I looked at those children. And it, in some ways it reminded me of my own childhood, you know, so I could see what it was like to be with a mother who was just tired and exhausted and was living with someone who couldn't really provide for them. I really took that unique experience from my own lifetime and brought that into that beginning of that piece because I just felt that 
what I witnessed now as an adult was someone who was doing their best. My mother was doing her best, but she just couldn't contain or she just didn't have the energy to to be nice all the time, to be that, you know, she had too many other stresses on her. So that learning that I had, I just imbued into this character to give different levels of quality, really. And then when I went to the witch, it really made me think of someone who never grew up. Is it a she or is it a he or is it a they? You know, that's that's the other thing about the witch. You know, it's like, it's a person, it's a human. But because there is no growing up, there's no real, real adulthood, you don't know what the form is. You just know that you're playing an energy. Mm. I kind of thought of it from the process of, the reason why the witch puts the kids inside those ovens to be burnt is because the only time when they realize that the witch realizes that they're wrong is when they see that they're not a child again and the child is reminding her or he or they you know that they've grown up they're adult and they're not a child anymore and that's the bit that makes the witch end lives you know, I really wanted to bring out this this almost like stuck Groundhog Day in this person, in this character, and really develop that a little bit. And that real sheer kindness that is kind of a playfulness, but is also really disturbed as well at the same time. It's there's so many layers. I, I'm a bit of a deep thinker when it comes to that stuff, but it was it was a uh, it was um. It was really interesting. I could see how you would really get immersed in that. I, mem- I remember working with you and when you were playing uh, the character Arian and, and you really embodied that, completely inseparable from that character. My, my word for it is that you're fully present at every moment that you're mm-hmm. on stage. The amount of work that you've just described in terms of the background, thinking behind character creation, it gives the audience so much of you and you are so able to be present because you've already had so much thinking behind you. Thank you. That's a lovely compliment. Oh, yeah, it's 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 great. Well, that's very true. I, thank you. I, I mean, I, I mean, I always think I always wish I could be more present. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny what others think about you that I just I always wish I could be more present and that at some stage in my life that I will find more presence which comes from a fearlessness, I suppose, a, a fearlessness and not being afraid to show all of oneself. And I think I'm really growing into that now within my artistry because I'm making more theatre now my own, on my own, off my own back. And as I, as I begin to make more theatre, my language changes. Talk about that. That sounds really interesting. So I'm really, I really believe in conscious creative leadership um, that we show up consciously. Um, I've been talking really, and I'm not the only one that believes in that, my my dear friend Darren Abrahams as well. We've been talking about that a lot recently. And I'm making a new work called BEAM, which is an inflection of the words BAME, B-A-M-E, because I was so fed up with people calling me BAME and kind of putting me in a box that I thought, what if I inverted those letters, what would happen? And I got beam, as in a beam of light. The strap line for the show is, everybody deserves to shine in its own light. 
I had to choose this team, I suppose, of people to come and walk this journey with me. And so we've been working in a kind of conscious co-construction where that's how we build build the foundation of how we work as in leadership. But then we then have a conscious co-creation is of which how we work in artistry. And so it's a different way to look at how we collaborate and how we walk alongside each other, non-hierarchical. And we just started our first sets of R&D around it two days ago. And it was magical. It was like there was miracle upon miracle upon miracle because each person is being respected as a whole and not as a part. And you're celebrating the expert in them rather than trying to put them in a box or in an agenda. The work in itself is all about my life. And it deals with trauma and how the healing in trauma going from fragmentation to wholeness. It also looks at um, domestic violence. It looks at uh, sexuality. It looks at gender. It looks at disability. It looks at Black Lives Matter. It looks at homelessness. It looks at class. It looks at addiction. I mean, there's just... My life is very varied, so <laughs> there's a lot there. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so honoured that the Britain peers, Roger Wright um, there, has kind of taken it on so it can have its world premiere on the 26th and 27th of June this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, yeah, just I'm feeling really excited about that and to get the opportunity to work and be mentored by Snape and Britain Peers is a great privilege for me. And ENO have got involved in the sense of, you know, making sure that if I need any support around it as well. So I'm feeling really held at this time in my first kind of going out to make my own work rather than putting on shows of traditional opera. I love that idea of the non-hierarchical structure because the opera world is completely hierarchical. I mean, I often talk about the myth of the composer, the, the composer as the all-seeing, all-knowledgeable expert on his own work, which, of course, he isn't. Um, yeah. But then, And then you have the director who, likewise, would love to think that they know everything. And, and this is... Um, Something that has existed in theatre before, but but certainly in music is is not so common, is it? It's quite, I would say, it's quite groundbreaking in that sense. You mean in terms of devising, the devising yes. process, yeah, mm. the collaborative job, mm. devising process. Yeah, so we've kind of we're wishing to evolve opera mm. in a way that is in a, a safer environment, really, that speaks to everybody within it. And the feedback that we're getting so far is really exciting and. We're going to be working with a dancer as well, a dance choreographer. We've got a chamber orchestra as well, so a small chamber. We've got somebody coming to do digital design and video design, you know, and I'm working with a director, Darren Abrahams, who is also a trauma specialist. So everybody, I'm working with the wonderful Claire Shovelton and Faye Jennett, they're both, you know, producing, but Claire is a senior producer and she's also a photographer as well. So we're recognising that every artist has other skills and they're all valuable towards the project and if we can use them, then we do. That is wonderful. It's just so nice to hear that because none of us are just singers or just actors or just performers nope. you know we have so many other strings to our boat 
probably because we've had to really as as sort of survival mechanisms, but to actually make that part of your story. Does that yeah. and, and also being a musician itself is a is a portfolio job, isn't it? It is actually. Mm. No, but you both have are very much witness to that. I mean, you're both professors in your own right as well as, you know, musicians and artists and writers and composers and singers and you know, there's there's just yeah. so many strings to your own bows in itself, you know. I don't think I think we're we're forever evolving doors, aren't we? We are always evolving and I think something that comes to mind when you talked about the structure of this work was um I was reading recently about there is a maximum size of a company in which people can be happy. And it's something like 22 people. Because below that, pe- people not only feel an investment in whatever the company is doing, people feel they have a voice and they feel that they can use their other skills. They're less compartmentalized mm. as they might be in a big corporation. Where um, you, you can't have an opinion on marketing because... You work in um, I don't, IT. So I love this idea of all these creative people around you who are all throwing in their other skills and getting that reward from being able to use those skills. And to contribute. It sounds like that's kind of your ethos is, you know, with your company, everybody can and how, how it's kind of all about contributing and making a difference in some way. And I think that's mm. something that most people want to do is from the bottom of their heart, they want to matter and to be able to give something to somebody. And it sounds like Mm. you're allowing yourself and also each other to contribute in, in. Absolutely. It's it's like this cross pollination basically. Mm. And this real deep sharing and understanding that each person needs to be respected and really honored for who they are. And that while my story may be at the centre of what we're doing, each person has their own individual story. And to be mindful of how we interact with those stories. So that it's it's not so much that you're carrying the burden of everything, but that you are all kind of carrying little burdens that help the story then. I hear you, but I'm very, very wary of language. <laughs> so I would never, ever call it a burden ever. we kind of see it as an infinity circle or an upside down eight and I'm at the center of the eight at the center of the eight the circle's never broken but I have other conscious leaders working with me and through me and with me to create so nobody ever feels burdened because we have these other elements of support systems within place so that the mechanism is never leaning too much one side or the other. And because everything comes through myself, the centre of the eight, the processing still has a a really good ebb and flow. And because I always know what's going on, there's this element of the process always keeping evolving and flowing and and moving forward. As you quite rightly say, language is, is always very important whenever we talk about anything but particularly these kind of processes. I'd just like to unpick a little bit the the idea of the conscious creator. How would you summarise that? Um, well, I think we were in a time where before the pandemic where we just loved what we did and, you mm. know, and, I, and that's a general sweeping statement. So, you know, not everybody, you know, some people just felt that they were chosen for it or some people felt it was a luxury or some people think, 
didn't feel that they could. And so there's many other stories within that. But I suppose as a conscious creator, I feel like now I'm making art and evolving as an artist consciously with intention, with a purpose, on purpose, with a message, with a value of wishing to make impact. It's not merely for entertainment. While entertainment is absolutely important because we must make things that people wish to watch, but there's a way of making history now. There's a way of really helping to support society now. There's a way to support mental health now. There's a way to keep employing and engaging others now. There's a way to talk about messages that, or to talk about subject matters that have been put to the wayside. There's a way now to include new voices and to hear from new voices and new writings. And we're so much more empowered now as artists to step up and have a different message. Quite personal as well. And I think art- artistry is personal. That's why we want to watch all the different people. That's why we want to engage in mm. it. That's why we love one band instead of another band. That's why, because it is personal. And I mean, with my work as a coach, you know, music is an anchor. It's a way of remembering and being reminded of how powerful we are or how great we are. But also it's a way of being also being reminded of something that happened before that we wish to forget about, but we want to have a good cry over. It's a huge anchor. And, you know, we remember songs as moments in history. We remember pieces as moments in history. Yeah, it's a very interesting subject if we look at it from a coaching and a mentor perspective, how we can engage with our art. If you could recommend a piece of music or a piece of art, and it can be anything, what would that be that you think that people need to absolutely go get their fill of? Everybody must, must, must listen to the music of their heart first and foremost. The heart is the first mm-hmm. organ to be born. It's the organ that's born by day 22 while you're in the womb. And I think that music of your heart is the most important. The music that's made the most impact on me would be most probably the Verdi Requiem. Like hearing that for the first time was just off the chart for me. And Verdi as a as a whole, his music just drives me, I don't know, there's something about it that's a, a real ease for my body. But I also love my drum and bass. <laughs> and the church, you know, church music has had a huge impact on me alongside kind of music theatre, because I used to sing my prayers. So I see like this musical theatre kind of church kind of music, having a way of voicing one's feelings and emotions safely and making one feel less alone. So when you say you sang uh, your prayers, was that Mm. improvised song or these were songs that you'd learned? No, they were improvised. Um, I used to just... I mean, I don't know, like even here, I would just go, Dear Lord, I'm right here speaking with you. And I'm sitting here with Steve and Nicole. Can you send a blessing to each and every one? Because I know. 
we need your strength. And I would just do stuff like that. Like it was, I wouldn't know what was going to come out of my mouth. I wouldn't even know that what words were going to come out of my mouth. I would just, I would just do it. Like, you know. Would you describe that as a different state, an altered state? Or is it, is it just you in your everyday life communing with God or with the... Or the goddess. The goddess <laughs> or whoever is, is beyond. Yeah, just a power greater than ourselves, I suppose I would call it. But so there is a kind of altered state, actually, Steve. It's a good question. Because I think when that starts to happen, I'm tapping into something that I didn't even know was there. You know, I'm just opening myself up to be the vessel. You know, we do that as artists anyway, right. but there's a real vulnerability in this moment. And you may end up crying, you may end up laughing, you may end up recognising a pain somewhere in your body. It's almost like you become more alive in those moments. You've mentioned body a, a few times. And, you know, feeling a pain in your body or or feeling what your body wants to do. I, I'm reminded of, of a poem by uh, uh, Mary Oliver you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And that's the beginning of that, one of my favorite poems. And it sounds a lot like you're following, kind of following your heart as well. It's that listening, isn't it, Aniko? Mm. It's like learning to listen, that listening, it's, it's, it's very um, delicate, very tender. And it's very courageous to listen to one's body, to listen to what's going on, because we get brought from an outside journey to an inside journey, but really the journey starts from within, so we can then shine outside. <laughs> but that inside journey is a courageous one, and some of it is painful and it is about not just being in our heads, but being in our hearts. They say that the journey from the head to the heart is the longest one. But when you get back into your heart, <laughs> which is the first organ to be born, you feel it. Mm. You know, I remember when I got sober, and um, I've been sober 20 years now, but when I first got sober, they said, the great thing is, that you get your feelings back. And the worst thing is, is that you get your feelings back because you start, you feel your body for the first time. You, you feel your breath. You feel when somebody hurts you, you feel, don't agree with something. You feel the tension in your body for the first time. All the things that you've been running away from with a drink or with a fag or with a cup of coffee, which all three I do none of now, but you know, all those ways of cutting out your senses like I had my I had my um, COVID vaccination today. I was sitting there having my vaccination and I just said, oh, my God. And I literally felt it to the left side of the back of my brain, like stimulate that side of my brain immediately. The nurse looked at me as if I was like, wow. You know, but because I'm so intuitive now with my own body, because I've got nothing stopping and the feelings are all the feelings i get to feel where this thing was 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 landing in my body it was very interesting that sounds like it can be kind of scary at first when you're first going there <laughs> when you're first thawing out or getting sober it's, of course it's scary because you're because you're having all the feelings that you were running away from <laughs> but as you stay longer sober it's amazing because I'm not ever 
stopping how I'm feeling. I'm just feeling and just allowing myself to know where I am. And it's, there's a certain level of honesty in it that you can't run away from yourself. And feeling is very hard, isn't it? I mean, that that's the thing. That's why we do have a tendency to try and avoid it. Mm. And music is a great way and, and a terrible way of getting in touch with your feelings sometimes. <laughs> I, I do. I did give up music for about four years at one point because yeah. you just don't always want to feel all that mm. stuff. Yeah. But I guess you have to. <laughs> you can't keep running away from it. And I did come back to music. Yeah, it bubbles up. Unfortunately, if you stuff that stuff down, it'll bubble up and it'll come out in uncomfortable ways. Yeah, it's what I call leaky behavior. Leaky, leaky behavior. behavior. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you think it's not coming out, but it's leaking somewhere, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't escape it. It's yeah. all there. And that's a journey for a lot of us. <laughs> it's hard being a human. It's, it is bit. hard being a human, isn't it, Nadine? <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to be a human. Human. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. You know, but I was going to say, you know, that is one of the things that Black Lives Matter gifted to me was Mm. this reclaiming of my humanness. I got to reclaim so much of myself that I feel whole rather than separated now. So I suppose as an artist, I'm speaking very differently and I'm having braver conversations than I've ever had in my life. And um, that's exciting to me. That's so important. Yeah. Being out outside, but also a proponent of Black Lives Matter, you know, you don't always feel the impact of how it actually hits an individual's spirit and heart. That's a massive thing that you feel able to just say what's there. Again, it's all about getting to the truth and getting getting the stuff out there that is within. And then it actually is obviously making a new piece of art for you that's mm. sort of spilling out and and then it's going to be talking to people and you know get letting people have something to, new to talk about and, and a new way of talking about things that are inside yeah we talk about going from the me to the we we, we think that that's really important because it started with my story but it's impacting so many people now that it's turned into a we so it's it's how that story is now going to have supportive elements for so many other people because we're going to do some kind of in-reach work with it as well. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very important piece of work, we think. It's just going to take all my courage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, But yeah. it's, it's interesting because you say it's the me to the we, but for me it mm. sounds like what your journey has been is from the we – Knowing that support, that wave is there behind mm. you has also given you the me, the courage to move from me to me mm. as well and to express the me. Again, it's kind of that infinity symbol, isn't it? That you're sort of, yes. it's the ebb and flow of inside, outside, inside, outside communication and sharing. And yes. That's wonderful. Yes. So wonderful. Yes. Yeah. But that's why that's so, it's just so important to our work. You know, and I, the, the collaborative team is just off the chart. I just love them all. And, you know, I love what you just said there, Annika, actually, that, you know, the we has created my me. And I, I kind yeah. of haven't said that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that in the Slack. We run everything on Slack. So 
and I'll pop all that in the Slack tonight. Where can we find you, Nadine? Hopefully we've got a lot of listeners who maybe don't know your work already and they're going to want to try and find you online. Where should we look for you? Oh, you can look for me everywhere. My Instagram <laughs> is at Nadine Benjamin Soprano. I've also got Twitter, Nadine Benjamin, without the E, so N-A-D-I-N, Benjamin, at Nadine Benjamin. If you want to find out about the show, then on Instagram and on Twitter, we're going to be at Beam Everybody. So Beam, B-E-A-M, Everybody. So, well, that will be our kind of handle. My website page is NadineBenjamin.com. And then, I mean, I don't know when this is going out, but on Friday, this no, this Saturday, I'll be on BBC Two singing The Handel's Messiah. And um, I'm going to be on the... On the 12th of June, I'm going to be at St. James's in Piccadilly doing a, an American concert with my in emergence duo uh, with pianist Nicola, Nicole Panitza. And then Snape, Britain Piers, 26th and 27th of June, we're going to be doing Beam live. So um, if you want to get a ticket, Super. Um, yeah, I do. Is it live and online? Don't know if we're going to do it online yet. We haven't decided that part, but I do know it's going to be right. live. Mm. Okay. Live is an in-person. <laughs> yeah. Face-to-face. <laughs> -face. That must be one of the, the first ones. Yeah, it's going to be quite incredible to, to be able to have that. And we've had to work in a very different way to, to make that happen as well. So, you know, but I, I love these, what we're doing, you know, like artists talking to each other because, you know, we didn't, I don't think we made enough time for this before to kind of really listen to each other. Mm. You mean we uh, collectively as artists, or us yeah. three? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, collectively. I mean, like, you know, because there's a lot of us doing like podcasts and interviews and shows. And I feel like this has been like a real amazing doorway into a new world where we are, we're still creating and we're still creating in our voices as well, but we're getting to know another level of what it means to be an artist. I think what the whole pandemic has forced us to do is it's sort of, you know, we can live a, an awful lot of our life on autopilot. Yes. I know I can anyway. And what the pandemic did, you know, it suddenly took away your known sources of income and it took away known ways of doing things and known ways of expressing yourself doing concerts and doing gigs and things like that and then suddenly we all started looking for different ways to have an outlet and how to have relationships with other artists and other musicians and so I totally get where you're coming from with that you know I don't know if I'd, I'm not going to say that I do miss it what my understanding of it now is is that I can interact with artists anytime it doesn't just have to be on the stage I think that's what happened for me. It's just well, everybody has a personal journey, don't they? But And I've realised how introverted I am anyway. I'm very right. introverted. I've realised that too. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Yeah. I'm, you yeah. know, like yes. I've always been the one that's had to generate energy and be like, yeah, da, 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 da. but actually when this whole thing happened, like I wasn't allowed to leave my house for like 10 weeks because I've come in the, um, the category, you know, the, you know, and I wasn't allowed to leave my house. So I didn't even go for a walk. You know, people were going, how are you not going mad? And I was like, I'm really fine. You know, I was on doing my online interviews every day anyway. <laughs> but I was just like, I'm fine. 
but it really showed me how much of an introvert I am. And yeah, that was really interesting for me. I found a similar thing. It didn't, I mean, nobody wants a pandemic, but at the same time, I felt very lucky the fact that I am more of an introvert because I, it didn't hit me terribly hard compared to some people I know who had a terrible time with, with lockdown. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then it made me really happy that I'd had so much therapy over the years. Twenty years of therapy (laughs) (laughs) was very helpful. (laughs) Good investment. Finally, it paid off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they always say it's it don't uh, don't go in your brain, don't go in your mind by yourself. It's it's uh, scary in there. But if you've had the therapy, at least you can kind of wade through all the stuff that's in there. Exactly. Your mind is a terrible thing to taste. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Nadine. Lovely to Thank speak you. to you as always. It's been amazing. Thank you, but... Stephen Aniko, and thank you for your innovation and just bringing this and such honest conversation to the fore. It's been a pleasure to be here, and I thank you so much. Thank you.